0: You wanted the best, well, you got the best. Our hottest covers in the
1: world, LIST!
2: Let's make sure them them drums are smacking.
1: And sporadically tear you apart Strike with a serious vengeance And before you die Put you through the worst And make you take a look in my eye So you can witness the extreme damage Called by betrayal Make you sorry for the fact That you attempted and failed Make you eternally suffer You was one of my men's Turn your back on me I'ma make sure you get it back Times ten Stay true Now that's the one thing I religiously pledge If you ain't with me I'ma throw you way over the edge This me.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog, me, Mike Castleberry, and today we are doing the best covers in hard rock and heavy metal. And before we get started with this, I wanted to uh, clear something up because I was listening to the uh, last episode as I as we were as I was editing it, right? And I was thinking to myself, you know. Cross-Eyed Mary is definitely not one of the worst covers ever made. And probably none of these on my list are actually part of the worst covers ever made. It's just more of a for me. uh, These are songs that I used to either bitch about when nobody was listening. Or um, I have some thoughts on specifically at this time or whatever it is. And so that's why they make my list, because I it, they're just things that I want to talk about. I'm not, like, hating on, you know, Guns N' Roses saying, oh my god, they did the worst cover, or, you know, uh, Metallica, or whatever. They're all good quality songs, and whatever. Just for whatever reason, they rubbed me the wrong way at a certain time, or whatever, so I felt the need to talk some shit about it, and that's all. It is and the same thing pretty much Goes with these I'm sure there are better Covers than the ones that I'm going to talk About but these are just the ones that I felt Like talking about so that's why That's the explanation of my lists.
0: Yeah no I think it was kind of funny when I Because I obviously I listened back to it Also Um, It was definitely a your Personal taste list Of eh I didn't really dig It it wasn't what I wanted Mm -hmm. Type of list And then I feel like mine were just real fucking heinous (laughs) songs. yeah. Like, nobody was going to listen to that Purple People Eater shit and go like, no, actually, that's sick.
2: Right, for sure.
0: There might be one person, but I don't think anybody that listens to us um, was going to argue that. Or, you know, Avril Lavigne when she did Fuel and all that shit. Like, I think maybe maybe the one that was on my list that – well, as my dishonorable mention was that Megadeth cover of these boots. I've seen some people like that. I'm, yeah, I don't know. I don't dig it. Apparently, more people like that Judas Priest cover of Johnny B. Good than I expected. Because I came across a whole like topic about it in a Judas Priest group, going like, "What do you think of Johnny B. Good? You know, the Judas Priest version?" And everybody's like, "Oh, I fucking love it! Like, it's great. It's so inventive and unique." Yeah. and I'm like it doesn't even fucking sound like the song anymore and people are like well if you just play it exactly the same what's the point of covering it and it's like you could argue if you play it completely differently what's the point of covering it too
2: right and, <laughs> you and, know? and I think the kind of the magic of it is finding that balance of you know playing it kind of the same to where it still obviously sounds like the same song but changing something enough to where it's to where people are like, oh, okay, I see what you did there, or whatever. I see what you were going for, whatever the case might be, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, if Michael J. Fox can cover it on Back to the Future, and <laughs> and invent rock and roll with it, uh, there's no reason why Judas Priest couldn't at least. I don't know, man. Like I said, it doesn't have that Chuck Berry shuffle in it, so it kind of you lose the personality of the song, and then it's just words.
2: Right right totally
0: so i was gonna say we do got a little bit of metal news i don't know if they call it metal news entirely but man a fuckload of people died uh between the last time we recorded and now
2: (laughs) yeah Man. man in
0: like a week in like a three day span man it was yeah like day one it was uh what's his face the fucking drummer from uh Slipknot.
2: Yeah, Joey Jordanson died, yeah. Joey
0: Jordanson died. Um The dude from Metal Church died first. Was right. that Mike Howe? Yeah. The second singer of Metal Church, and he joined the band. I mean, he joined the band pretty early on, and then he's out, and then he's back in, and he was their current singer. Mm-hmm. And then there's that whole uh controversy, because the band page were like, oh, the fucking medical system killed him, like, the you know,
2: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. all this
0: shit. So people are like, are you saying, like, the vaccine killed him? Did he die of COVID? What the fuck happened? Like, my thought was maybe he mixed uh, the wrong drugs, and it turned out he just had some health problems, ended up hanging himself.
2: Right, right.
0: That caused some stirs right there.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, That's I mean, when I when I read it, the first thing I thought of was that, oh, shit, like either he got covid and died or covid vaccine killed him or or fucked him up or something. But as it turns out, it's just, you know, I don't think people sometimes don't realize that the just because a doctor gave it to you doesn't mean like it's cool that you can just take it and not really think about it or whatever, because some of those, I mean, opiates, that's heavy shit, man, regardless if it comes in a pill or if it comes in a balloon, you know, it doesn't matter. It's the same shit that's in there and fucking, it could fuck you up. Suicide is uh, another thing that's on the rise now with, with the COVID thing. People are depressed. People, you know, don't have their support systems that, that to rely on, you know, and, fuck it's it's rough out there for people right now
0: yeah and i guess the the most legendary of the passings is uh dusty hill from zz top right passed away right after that and uh man i don't know what the fuck happened in the span of six hours because there was one news thing that said oh he's got a hip injury
1: mm-hmm.
0: and but it's not gonna affect a zz top concert coming up and then, like, six hours later, he was dead. And they're like, oh, he passed away in his sleep. So the thing is, is I, d- I don't follow ZZ Top very closely at all. They played that show. <laughs> that they, yeah. I mean, I guess it didn't. Like, they had their uh, guitar tech
2: uh, right,
0: fill in. But I think that may have been the plan from the get-go. Like, I didn't really read it. So maybe his hip injury, like, that was going to be the guitar tech filling in to begin with.
2: Yeah. And
0: they didn't cancel the show after he passed away. And that seems, damn, dude, that's fucking gnarly. Like, even I think Metallica had a longer uh, period of time between Cliff dying and Jason getting on stage and playing with them.
2: Yeah, when, I'm, I've never seen a band miss less of a beat than they did, which is, you know, kind of crazy. But I guess they got their, their own way of doing it. And, you know, there you go it's weird too because he sings also i mean he sang also he's not like a great singer that you know that you can that his voice would be you wouldn't be able to recreate it or whatever but still i mean i'm sure it's got to sound different it's you know so it's uh it's interesting it's an interesting thing that they just uh kept on just trucking <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, like you could say, oh, he's not the greatest singer or this and that. And it's not like he had, like, I haven't listened to too many ZZ Top songs that had, like, a sick bass line in it that nobody else could do. But at at the same time, they're a pretty fucking legendary band. Mm -hmm. They're a very unique slice of music history. Like, everybody knew who ZZ Top was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even if you didn't know any of their songs, you knew the fucking dudes with the beards and right. shit. Like, yeah.
2: And I don't think anybody hates ZZ Top. Like, most people would be like, at least, oh, yeah, they're all right. Or from they're all right to they really like them. I don't know anybody who's like, fuck ZZ Top, man. They fucking suck. You know, that's not really a sentiment I've heard. No. And they're fun to listen
0: to. And they do have some cool fucking, like, underrated guitar solos in their songs. Mm-hmm. and i mean they're more than bluesy rock and roll solos you know but they're yeah they got some i dig them like i'll never be like oh fuck that turn that bullshit off right. like i don't i never sought it out yeah but i ne- i've never like flipped and been like nah i don't want to listen to this if they pop on the radio or something or you know i'd play like when they had a song on, like, Guitar Hero and shit, right. you know, I'd play that. I'm like, oh, man, this solo is, like, cooler than I remember it being.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it'd be cool to put on at a party or whatever, for sure. Hey, and you know what? never know, man. The way things go, we might be hearing some ZZ Top covers coming, coming up pretty soon as everybody decides to do their version of, uh, you know, Tush or whatever, uh, Sharp Dressed Man or something. I can see that. Yeah, no shit. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, getting into last week we did the covers we didn't like or uh didn't care for or whatever, and this week the ones that we like. Maybe we should start with some uh honorable mentions. You got some? I actually have a
0: few. There are a couple that are just they're kind of cool like I wanted to give a little shout out to Megadeth because I capped on him, you know, our last recording Mm -hmm. with these boots. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to also give him credit for a really cool cover of uh, the Kiss song, Strange Ways. Okay. And that's on like, it's on one of their B-Sides albums type thing. So that's pretty cool. And it's funny because if you listen to the full version of it. They mix two things together. For some reason, they do the bass intro to NIB and then go into Strange Ways. So it's like two different bands entirely. Hmm. So it's pretty cool. I think i've shown you this before i've but uh, there's a live video of smashing pumpkins doing a uh, black diamond mm. so there's a couple of kiss songs that have been covered uh there that are pretty sick and then uh my last honorable mention i decided i wanted to stretch the concept of what a cover song is this isn't really a cover but it's a uh, bust rhymes this means war where it's not a sample of Iron Man because it's a new it's a his band or whatever, a studio band playing Iron Man and he's rapping along to it. So it does. It's not just a straight sample of the original track. Right. And then he has Ozzy singing vocals on choruses and shit. And it's uh, it's pretty badass. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard that. It's I mean, he's going to he drops the N word like a million times in it. So I can't really tell you any <laughs> yeah, of the lyrics. Yeah. Um, but (laughs) yeah
2: I enjoyed it cool for me my my, uh, honorable mentions are pretty much not metal at all but um, things that I came across in in uh, looking for this stuff and uh, something that I remembered out of nowhere pretty much the first thing that I saw was I guess it's the it's the anniversary of the black crows album that their first album and um, and they got back together for a tour. It's actually not the whole band. It's only the two brothers. but um, And the rest of the band is not is not there. But they're still calling it the Black Crows Reunion Tour or whatever. It just tripped me out because I didn't know that Hard to Handle was a cover. And it's a cover of an Otis Redding song. And it's just funny to me because it's weird when your first single and your biggest hit and probably the song that everybody associates with your band is actually a cover.
0: Yeah, no, that's that one that I always forget the name of it. I just know it's a yeah. song that I don't know a fucking word to it. Right. <laughs> yep,
2: that's the one. And I've heard the Otis writing version. You can understand it. <laughs> so there you go. I thought it was pretty cool when it came out. I was like, OK, that's. That's an interesting song or whatever. But then it seemed to me to be like kind of the most interesting thing that they did after that. And then when I found out they were like, oh, they're troublesome, controversial band, too. That's like, it's like OK, well, yeah, this probably ain't worth it and worth the trouble. But um, <laughs> then, OK, my other one is um, is a trippy one because it's like well, it's also a, a misstep. Where uh, in 1979, a movie came out called Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And it, yeah, and it was. Um, Not good. Yeah, it was the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton as the Beatles, basically. And all the songs covered by different bands who made appearances in the movie. And w- so I was eight when that shit came out. And I was a Beatles fan, so I thought it was cool. I thought it was, like, you know, um, interesting, uh, at least. And it had, like, weird things like um, Steve Martin uh, sang that uh, Maxwell Hammer song. Alice Cooper was on it. Isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's like Aerosmith and...
2: Yeah, and Aerosmith covered... um,
0: was it Come Together? I know they do a cover of it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Aerosmith covered, uh, covered Come Together. And that was decent. That was a pretty good um, cover. But the really the only one that was really good was Earth, Wind, and Fire did a version of Got to Get You Into My Life. And it was a badass cover. And the thing that was a trip about it was that, you know, George Martin... The producer from the Beatles, he would put all kinds of shit into the songs that they didn't play those instruments. They were just put on there in production from, uh, you know, studio people. And so they had horns and fucking orchestration and all kinds of shit. And Earth, Wind & Fire actually had horns and shit in their band. So they were able to do some of the parts that the Beatles actually didn't do on their own song on the cover My well It just seemed like a song that was pretty much made for them, so it was a pretty badass cover on a project that pretty much ruined the careers of the BGS and Peter Frampton, who didn't do shit directly after that for years. So, yeah, so that one was a that one was a good one, and my last one was um, one that I sent you something from them today, but it was the original. Rodrigo and Gabriela when they did Orion from Metallica obviously and it's a you know obviously instrumental song they did it instrumental you know he plays the leads and she plays the rhythms and you know slaps that body of that guitar like a like a drum basically and it was a badass version and you know I love classical guitar and uh I love Metallica especially that era of Metallica so I was just like man this shit is badass Oh, yeah, and uh, they're coming soon to Humphreys and I'm thinking about going, but you know, now nowadays now shit's getting canceled again, so who knows. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Don't make plans, man. Just
2: <laughs> You yep.
0: only get your heart broke.
2: Just ride this shit out.
0: Yeah. Fucking see uh, Rodrigo and Abriella fucking featuring the Delta variant.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. At least Humphreys is outside.
0: So yeah, that, that you know, helps
2: a little bit, but. Mm.
0: And you know, and you know, they're blaming all the Mexicans on, uh, oh, yeah. fucking COVID spreading again. Yeah. So, you know, a Mexican concert, yeah. they're really going right. to target that shit.
2: Yep. All those Mexicans pouring into Florida. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a fucking long swim, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I'm fucking incredible Hulk arms and shit by the end.
2: No shit. All right, it, it, then see that's the thing. But if you if you went that route, then you just pretend like you're Cuban and then you just get in. Yeah, it's not like Republicans know the fucking difference. Nah, hell no. They can't look at
0: you and tell if you're Cuban or you Mexican know. or Guatemalan or fucking anything, right. man.
2: They say Castro, si o no? No, okay, come in. <laughs> That might be the fucking. That might be the move. Yeah. That might
0: be the move. People, maybe they need to start finding their ways from Mexico to Cuba, then Cuba to the states. You know.
2: You know. That's the. It's uh, just
0: for all for all you potential undocumented immigrants that listen to our podcast, yeah. I got a I I got a fucking
2: life hack for you. Yep, might be worth a shot. <laughs> might be worth a shot. All right. Get in when the getting's good, man. Fuck yeah. Okay, so getting on with um, the our list of covers. You go ahead and go first.
0: All right. My first that I got on my list, uh, I've definitely showed you it before. We've had a couple of, uh, I just mentioned a couple of other people covering KISS. Mm-hmm. Um, not too many times it comes up when KISS covers someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, it's not... Uh,
2: God God gave gave rock and and roll
0: roll. to... Yeah. No, it's not that one. (laughs) Right. But uh, on that one compilation album of Ramones covers, they did a really good cover of Do You Believe in Rock and Roll Radio. And I think that shit could have been a single for them. And for whatever reason, it just kind of stayed on this, you know, compilation of, you know, Tribute to the Ramones and didn't, didn't make a lot of waves. But, I mean, this was... You know, this was the this version of the lineup, and they're they're tight. It sounds good. Um, they they're really Kiss is very adept at playing basic sounding songs, mm-hmm. so they can play that kind of pop punk real well because they're not that far removed from from that when you really think about it. And you got the Ramones and Kiss are both you know New York bands mm-hmm. at their heart, so. They really did it justice. I think it's a lot of fun and that uh, they uh, probably should have found out a way to just release that as a single, get some airplay. They could have had a hit with that, I think.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh you know, I mean, the Ramones shit is catchy. You know, Kiss's shit is catchy. It it would make sense that that would sound good. You know, maybe maybe if they played it live and cut it live, that would have been even a even a better step too. But yeah, definitely I could see that. I can see that. Um for mine, uh this had no chance of ever being a hit. And I think it was basically on a bootleg album. But, you know, Dream Theater has covered all kinds of shit. And even done things where they'll play, okay, on this um, tour, we're going to play The Number of the Beast from beginning to end. Just for the fuck of it. Or whatever. And other albums and other songs that they've done. But the trippy thing was, for me, like when I was young, it tripped me out that other people could play certain songs that I thought were so crazy and so difficult that only the original band would be able to, to play that, you know, like if you told me, you know, like, of course for the first, until I actually heard somebody do it, I never thought that another guitar player could play eruption, you know, that would be, that was insane, you know, and there's no way. So once I start hearing, you know, certain bands and certain, um, guitar players being able to do certain things, it really tripped me out. And Dream Theater does it on a really high level. And really the only thing that I don't love about Dream Theater is the singer. He's okay. But in many cases when they're covering um, certain songs, the original singer sounds better than the Dream Theater singer. So that automatically really doesn't make the cover better than the original because the singer isn't better so in this particular case he's not on it because i'm talking about um dream theater doing yyz by rush another one where I thought well, no, of course nobody could play Neil Perts parts on, on fucking YYZ not to mention the bass parts you know, the guitar solo everything is, you know fucking out there on that fucking song and Dream Theater covers it and they play it perfect and they actually play it faster, you know they play it probably like at the same speed that Rush plays it live which is, you know, a little, a few beats faster. And they kill it, man, you know. And the musicianship in Dream Theater is amazing. They're, um, you know, going to a Dream Theater show is a different experience. It's not, you know, it's not really like a head-banging experience like other bands that are the same level of heavy. It's just different. But uh, that's a badass cover um, of, of Rush Song, and a lot of the covers that they do are pretty badass.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh yeah, no, they're kind of like in some ways they're like the ultimate like prog cover band mm-hmm. like I mean, they have their own shit which is great, but you know, anything that kind of has a progressive metal lean to it, they snatch that up and will be like, "Oh, I'll play the fuck out of this." Yeah, I've heard them play some Deep Purple and all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. Um and it's pretty badass. Uh, I thought, you know, man, when he started mentioning like, oh, you're not that f- big on the singer. I'm like, man, they need to cover some fucking Ingve shit, <laughs> <laughs> and fucking automatically the singer will be better.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. For for most of it, yeah.
0: Cover that Singve.
2: <laughs> oh man, yeah. era
0: stuff, and man, there you're. You people really dig your singer at that point.
2: Yeah. Um, and John Petrucci is one of those guitar players that for sure could do that. One of the few, really, because um, when you see dudes try to cover Ingwe, there's a lot of times that the guitar solos are lacking a little something. In this case, I don't think they would be at all.
0: Yeah, there's a trick I'm noticing. I'm not a guitarist, but I've I've seen there's, there's two fucking directions a guitarist can go when they're covering some shit that they're quickly realizing is beyond their scope. Mm-hmm. There's the, just don't try it. Like you can maybe just don't fucking try to recreate the solo, do something that's different mm-hmm. that fits. And then there's the, um, just do it worse version. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> which is a real bad way to go. Cause that's, uh, that's when you, uh, showed me what's his fucking face from Dio's band. One of oh, the, yeah, Tracy one of G. the guys that's last name is G
2: yeah yeah <laughs>
0: was that Tracy G for yeah, that Tracy one G, yeah uh there's too many G's yeah there's in, some uh, G's replacement guitarists but yeah it's just like it sounds like it's just missing parts of the solo right like it just sounds like you're learning to play the solo so it's like oh, I'll fill in that other shit like let me get the structure but then you forget to put the rest of that shit in yeah when I hear other guys do it you know when they're doing the Vivian Campbell parts, they don't even really try to attempt them. They're like, I want to do my own thing and make it sound like it fits.
2: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, yeah,
0: that's, that works out better. I don't like it's Cause you hear something and you're like, Oh, that's different, mm-hmm. but you're not directly comparing it. Yeah. Versus when you like, listen to like when kiss, when they have multiple guitarists and shit
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you have a bunch of them just basically replicating ACEs solos mm-hmm. And you're just going to go, well, well, the fucking way Ace did it is better.
2: Right. Right. And then Which you, is
0: what was cool about Vinnie Vincent, though, is he did his own solos in those songs.
2: Mm-hmm. And then you got a dude like Doug Aldridge, who, when he was in Dio, he could do the Vivian stuff like Vivian and Richie like Richie and I owe me almost like I owe me. It was fucking crazy. That that dude is off the hook.
0: Oh, no, yeah, that guy is a fucking killer mm-hmm. on that. It was at the... Uh, holy diver live yeah cd where like the first side of it is uh all the deal on the second side is his back catalog mm-hmm. that was sick the only thing i didn't like about it is um i could tell that when you got to the blackmore shit he was starting with the the album version as his foundation mm. and building from there mm-hmm. instead of listening to how richie started playing it live yeah and maybe working off of that, so they sound a lot closer to the album version right. than you'd hear on the live versions. Yeah, but that's true. It's still like impressive. Oh yeah. But Richie's shit is so much cooler live than on the record. Always. You'd think you'd have listened to like, you know, the live cuts of it and been like, okay, I can't learn all this because a lot of it is him just fucking around. Right. And, just doing shit off the top of his head in the middle of it. And there's a fucking 10 minute long jam session in there. Right. But I can get, it's like the tone, the tone sounds like a slightly meddled up version of the tone that Richie was using on the record.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but that's just me being a, like a douche about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, in a little bit more metal news, it seems that we're going to be getting some uh, deal reissues. Uh, first album remix with some bonus stuff, and I guess they're gonna go from there. But I'll be really, really happy to to, to hear that. That's gonna be awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, don't forget to get your uh, copy of Dio's autobiography signed by Wendy.
2: Right. Yeah. Gotta. Have, <laughs> yeah. Must have that for but sure. You <laughs> called her Sharon Junior. <laughs> yeah, Sharon Junior. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy.
0: All right, so that's why I, I get to say my next one. Yeah. We got on a little side tangent, which is what we do on this show. That's right. But we haven't recorded in like a fucking month.
2: Yeah, so, so. we got a lot to say.
0: Yeah, yeah. we're going to have to work on that. Sorry, everybody. Yeah,
2: but, hopefully. Uh, we'll. We, we got a new mic set up going. We're going to be the PX-21 crew, and yeah. I think it's going to sound a lot better. So um, I'm looking forward to, uh, to editing this, and hopefully it'll work a lot faster, and shit, we'll be able to, to do a lot more shit. the metal shop podcast
0: brought to you by px21 yeah the discontinued headset by turtle beach yeah hear the future (laughs) (laughs) um yeah well if it's discontinued they can't tell give us a cease and desist for talking about it yes another life hack for you guys there you go Uh, also never get popular enough that anybody gives a shit that you're playing like you're their pirated music on your podcast like right. before it came out.
2: Yeah. That's how we'll and know then, when we've made it when they fucking shut us down.
0: Yeah. We get just enough listeners <laughs> that fucking Ice T comes and fucks us up yeah. for Yeah. So you want a motherfucking advanced copy, huh? Oh shit. Uh, shit. <laughs> Alright, so my number four uh smooth transition. My number four last week was Judas Priest Johnny be good. So I decided I'm going to slot in number four, Judas Priest cover of uh, Green Man Alishi. I figured I, I owed it to them mm-hmm. because obviously they have some amazing covers in their fucking catalog that they've done. They make so many songs their own, not always for the best mm-hmm. in the case of Johnny Be Good. But uh, Green Man Alishi, you know, it's a Fleetwood Mac song. It's one of those songs, the Fleetwood Mac songs that nobody knows. Mm hmm. So it's really easy to make it their own because it came from that uh the earlier version of Fleetwood Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. when it was like the Peter Greens Fleetwood Mac right. and before Lindsey Buckingham mm-hmm. and the just thought, and the entire band changed. Right. They had a much kind of heavier sound early on. Mm-hmm. Like they sounded a lot more like like they're really influenced by like Cream and shit like that and the original version of green man at least she is not that far off from the priest version right when you listen to it so right. it's pretty sick but you know judas priest fucking snatched that up meddled it up and fucking just went off on it and it's just chef's kiss you know
2: <laughs> yeah for sure
1: Sleeves and the full moon looks And the night is so black that the darkness cooks And she comes sneaking around Making me do things I don't wanna do that you need My love so back, back Always creeping around Trying to drop me mad
2: Busted in all my dreams Making me see things I don't want to see it's a great fucking song and the live version is great
0: yeah specifically the live version i wanted to mention there
2: right and it's a trip because it's like one of those songs where like you look at it and you're like first of all what the fuck is a green manalishi you know why does he have a two-pronged crown and what the fuck is really going on here and then you come to find out that um you know, it seems like a song that was written by a fucking crazy person, and in reality, it was a song that was written by a crazy person, you know, and he's talking about, you know, the, the struggles that he, that he's having, and, you know, when he's, like, on a fucking a long-ass acid trip that he never really came back from. That's what happened with with uh, Peter Green, and he was a great guitarist, man. Great fucking like you know when they put him in that you know that same of the early blues guys like Clapton, but he blew doors on Clapton, man. I mean, it wasn't even close. He was so much better, and at the same and at basically at the same time. So it was sad what happened to him, but you know, at the same time he didn't fucking he didn't know (laughs) so you know it's like whatever and then he had uh that guitar he had a a gold top les paul that had some weird thing in it where one of the pickups was like slightly out of phase and gave it this crazy like nasal sound and he ended up uh selling that guitar to gary moore which you know gary moore was like a fan of his and and became a friend of his so he sold it to him for, like, the same price he bought it for. Gary Moore ended up having it. Well, he had it until, I think he had it until he died. And then it ended up getting sold to Kirk Hammett for, like, I don't know how much, like quarter of a million dollars or more than that, some shit like that. But Kirk Hammett has it. And now that Kirk Hammett is back with Gibson, they're going to make him a extra copies of it so he so he could like leave it in the case and doesn't have to fuck with it anymore any on the road but yeah probably that's the guitar that's on the original version of the Green Man Manalishi too
0: that's a that's just a fun story just like the saga of this one guitar mm-hmm. Dude, who knows how many like actual fucking albums it may have been on you know because of this kind of shit and if uh, Kirk will play it on any Vitalica shit in the studio right
2: or, yeah.
0: Or if it's just something f- cool for him to have. Yeah.
2: Well, it, you know, it has to trip you out because this, like, this guitar is, the neck's been broken twice and they take it to, like, expert dudes who can, like, fix it and bring it back to life or whatever the fuck. And I'm thinking over here, like, I got these guitars and if one of them fucking neck breaks on this motherfucker, it's just like, well, that was it. <laughs> you know, again, <laughs> sorry about end. your luck with that shit, but I guess this guitar is so fucking special that. You know they keep on they keep on Frankenstein that motherfucker back. Yeah, and he always has it with him. Like uh, I saw this interview the other day where uh, he was talking about getting back with Gibson. First of all, it was a weird interview. He, he's kind of a weird guy now, Kirk Hammett. But he's
0: always been a weird guy. Yeah,
2: but he uh, was talking about it, whatever. And he's he has it with him. He has it with him in Hawaii, and he has it kept in a room where where the Temperature is always constant because it's Hawaii. And so he doesn't want the twice-broken neck to get warped if he leaves it, you know, in, in where it's too hot or whatever. So he's got, like, a room set at, like, 79 or some shit. So that, you know, that's the guitar room. And fucking Greenies in there. And fucking, yeah, it's a trip. But he talks about that guitar like it's a person. It's a trip, man. Yeah, he's kind of
0: the hippie-ish dude. He's... He's a fucking weirdo. He's always, always has been, and it's like, I watched like the some kind of monster documentary, yeah. Again for the first time in forever, and it's funny because it's mostly, you know, Lars and James fighting right. with each other, and Kirk being like, "Come on, guys, it's just can yeah. we just get things done?"
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay, and I then he was the one time
0: then. he spoke up was uh, he got pit- he got pissed when they said like. They basically and said, like, oh, well, we're thinking we're not going to really do traditional solos on this album. And Kirk is like, that's, like, what he fucking does. And he said, like, not that he's super interested in doing a bunch of, like, traditional sounding solos to begin with. Mm-hmm. But just having a rule of no solos is fucking stupid. And he's like, and it dates this record to this exact time just because that's what's going on in with new metal and shit is, you know, not having solos in the song is just going to date this record if we have a no solos rule. And, you know, Bob rocks. Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to have a no solos rule. It'll be like solos if they fit. And he's like, okay, fine. And then there are no fucking solos on it. He might as well not have even been on that album.
2: Right. And really probably isn't on a lot because up until that time, He didn't play rhythm on any of the albums, so you know, in a set, if you're like a lazy fuck, you're just like, oh well, fuck, I don't got to do shit and I get paid, fuck it, all right, I guess. But you know, you you want to be involved in, and solo is what he does, and so is, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That was fucked up. That whole thing was fucked up. When I watched that shit, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, wow, fucking James is fucking being a whiny bitch. Like the whole time, the fucking therapist guy. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no, that was well, yeah. that was a terrible time.
0: What was What was funny about that too is uh, James was whining because he has certain hours he can only right be in the studio, and he doesn't want anybody working on it when he's not around. Right. And he's like, and Lars is just like, you can't fucking tell me I can't listen to the playback, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's like well, you know, I don't like walking in here and feeling like shit's already been decided and I, now I just got to do a thing. Right. And Kirk's like, yeah, welcome to my life. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. You know?
2: No <laughs> shit, yeah.
0: So, all right, let's get the move on on our list.
2: So since we're on Judas Priest, I'm going to go Judas Priest too. And I'm going to go with Diamonds and Rust.
1: Diamonds. Rust. It's just that the moon is full And you decided to go And here I sit Hand on the telephone Hearing a voice I've known A couple of lights years ago And it's great for a fall Well, we both know what we're Yes, we both know what memories can bring, they bring time and Now you're standing on the with snow in your head Now we're looking out the window of the Trummy Hotel
2: Because first of all, I love that song. It's it's a departure type of a song for uh, for Priest. Not really, because they've always had like a, a slow cut where uh, you know where Rob sings more, and this is the one for that album. And the trippy thing about it is that, of course, when you look at the liner notes or whatever, it says written by Joan Baez, and Of course, you've heard the name Joan Baez, but you might not necessarily know her music or whatever, but you know that she's like from the hippie days, and she's like a folk chick, and you're like, what the hell does that have to do with Judas Priest? Eventually, when you have a chance to get around to it, now it's easy, but back then it wasn't, you listen to the song, the original song, and you're like, wow, this is very much not like the Judas Priest version at all. And actually, like the intro part of uh, Judas Priest, like the, that part, that doesn't exist in the Joan Baez song. There is no intro. It just starts with the verse. And so they made up that part. And then since there's no like solo part, there's just leads all the way throughout the song. And then they cut out a verse from the original song That had something to do with the Madonna or something like that something, some, something weird And that verse is not in the Judas Priest version So that actually the Joan Baez version is longer than the Judas Priest version All that shit made it interesting and trippy But the song in itself is just a badass song That I thought was just Judas Priest for the longest time, until I found out that it wasn't, and you know, again, it's it's a song that they made totally their own, and I think it. I think they still play it. It's a uh, it, or it was a staple, a live staple for many, many years. I'm not positive they still play it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do, because they played it up until recently. When they play it now, they actually slow it
0: down and it's much it's more of an acoustic ballad so it actually sounds more like the original version and then they cut in um then the guitars kick in a little bit later in it but yeah no i've listened to both versions um it's a trip that one of their the songs that they picked for that is a love song about bob dylan (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know because that's who joan Baez is writing about You know, right. uh, She's done a couple of songs about her relationship with him. Kind of funny. Uh, And it has uh, there's there's some other covers of it out there. Uh, Blackmore's Night does a cover of it. So, oh, wow. You can imagine it's much closer to the original. Uh, Yeah. No, I've listened to it. No, uh, You know, we 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 joke a lot. But honestly, Candace Knight is a really good singer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know yeah and it's just the fact that you know you know blackmore just started playing the loot for a fucking while that just everybody's like that's weird like he was so like oh i don't want to be like he 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 strayed so far from what he what he and you know Dio originally were doing rainbow Mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons why Dio left is because he's like oh he doesn't want to do rainbow anymore he wants to do pop rock and it's yeah and the next all the rainbow after that leaned in that direction and then he went full fucking just head first into like just took what he was doing with Dio too far and was like well let's take all the electric guitars out of it and play fucking Ren with my girlfriend Yeah, you know
2: yeah yeah and then when he put the electric back on he put it all up high like a music major. And that's when I knew it was over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man. well. All good things come to an end.
0: Okay. So I got a few more here. Number three on my list is the uh, Cradle of Filth covered of Hallowed Be Thy Name. Okay. And I'm not really that into Cradle of Filth, but they have two covers. This is almost like a a tie, because <clears throat> they also have a really cool cover of Mister Crowley.
2: Mm-hmm. They're not
0: they're not really my my scene as far as metal goes, because it's right. very 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 it's very gothic metal, but it's not like death metal-y vocals. Like they have screams, but it's like a different kind of screaming than you mm-hmm. usually hear on those metal songs where. Normally, it's just the low guttural, but you know, Cradle of Filth has the, that high screaming where it almost seems like sounds like a chick or something. And it's yeah. like, a, but it sounds like a fucking like tortured ghost singing or something, which is a, a yeah, they have a really cool vibe to their music, but it's not something I go out of my way to listen to,
2: right? But yeah, I, I've heard both of those and I liked them both,
0: yeah. And this is one of those ones where it's doing its own thing. But it's also just enough like the original that you you get it, you know? Mm -hmm. With Hallowed Be Thy Name, it's, you know, a little more straightforward um, for the most part. Um, Mr. Crowley has, like, the really cool organ intro and shit like that. And it's a lot slower and doomier sounding when they play it. But I went with Hallowed Be Thy Name... Because really, this was my introduction, now that I start thinking really hard about it, this was my introduction to Iron Maiden. Okay. Uh, it's the same story as a million times before. I had it on the Metal Channel on cable, and Hallowed Be Thy Name by Cradle of Filth came on, and I'm listening to it, I'm like, dude, this is fucking sick, and I didn't really like Cradle of Filth that much. Like, I would heard some of their shit, and it's all right to have in the background during Halloween or something but you know i'm listening to like the fucking guitars on it and everything else and i'm like dude this is badass this is so much cooler than like anything else i've heard cray little filth do I must've looked it up after that. And that's when I saw. It was an iron maiden cover.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: then I was like, well, fucking a, apparently I, I've been needing to listen to iron maiden my entire life because it's like I said, all through high school, I wasn't fucking with maiden. That was that shit from the eighties. They wore tights. That shit's fucking gay. Right. (laughs) You know, all that high singing eighties shit was like not cool at the time so I just I lumped Iron Maiden in with every other band in the 80s mm-hmm. because I because I got into metal with Metallica and stuff so there, there ain't nobody singing high in Metallica or Slayer right. or Megadeth and anything like that so I just felt like that high singing was just that that weird shit people did in the 80s and then everybody got over it Yeah, and then when I listened to it finally because I think I'd maybe heard number of the beast pop up here or there but that was my first time sitting out and listening to an Iron Maiden song from beginning to end like going out of my way for it I'm like oh wait a minute I actually really like this and I wish I wasn't such a pissant teenager (laughs) that I automatically wrote it off because I would have fucking loved listening to this back in the day and my friends probably would have made fun of me for it but I've been like no this is the shit right here but yeah which is weird because I listen to Queen all the time and I didn't give a fuck if they were like a band that like nobody in my friend group has listened to like since like 1990 and like, you know, yeah. Freddie Mercury had been dead since 91 type of thing. But it's weird that when your friends are all listening to this shit, you don't fucking stray from it when you're first getting into metal. You know, you're trying to get accepted by the other metal heads.
2: Right. Totally. You no, know, it's funny that you said that because earlier today I saw a picture. Um, it was posted by Graham Oliver. He's one of the uh, old guitarists from Saxon. He's not in the band anymore, but he uh, still posts old shit and whatever. And it's a picture of them, and they're getting ready to take the stage like at Donnington or something like that. And there's just like one dude in white, one dude in red, and one dude in blue spandex. And it's just like, I I was thinking to myself, looking at that picture, it's like, fuck, man. Spandex really fucked up a lot of shit in those (laughs) days because it was like, you know, uh, Bruce Dickinson loved the spandex. Fucking, uh, there's a few dudes that was just like, wow, man. I really have to fucking sit here and look at your fucking dick, you know, because, I don't know, you think it looks cool or something. (laughs) With these tight-ass fucking pants on. Yeah,
0: you can tell when it's two minutes to midnight, fucking. Yeah, and
2: there's no (laughs) chicks in the crowd anyways. Yeah, that's the thing, man.
0: That's like, there's no chicks in the crowd, and you're making sure all these dudes see your hog. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Yeah. And, th- and the and these are the most homophobic dudes. But I mean, it's a different time, I guess. But
2: yeah, it's just funny it when you think time. about it.
0: It's like, no, nah, we're presenting for the women. There's like, there's like one dude.
1: Like,
2: yeah, yeah. You guys are gonna fucking yeah, she, tear through she, her. She ain't whole, all that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's just the gnarliest bitch in the room. Like, yeah. and the the whole oh, band man. has to share her. Like, fucking. That's where Charlotte the Harlot came from. Just some gnarly yeah. broad that went to a show probably. Yeah. And like, well, let's write a
2: song about her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, So, my next one, kind of following along the same lines, is um, Painkiller as Done by Death. This was a song that uh, I had a neighbor across the street when I lived at my sister's house. And he was a monster guitar player. And he was super into Chuck Schollinger and Death. And so he would, like, always. be like, here, listen to this, man, fucking crazy. Because, like, Chuck Scholender was like, he would play in these different types of scales and modes from anyone else, and doing weird, like, uh, whole whole tone uh, sequences and fucking um, and chromatic sequences and weird shit, whatever, fucking. It seemed like whatever he felt like doing. But it all was super complex And it was a bit much for me I was just like, yeah, you know I'm not really trying to like, you know Do math while I'm fucking uh, listening to this shit But when when he finally uh, played that painkiller for me I was like, oh shit, okay Because it was a song that kind of fit their style And his vocal style fit and his and his solos were like next level on it. So I was just like, "Yeah, this this motherfucker's sick as fuck," and it kind of got me. It was the gateway for me to get more into them. So I never got super, super into them because he was already dead at the time anyways. So it was like, you know, kind of why bother? But but he was a really talented dude. They were a real talented band and they made Painkiller sound like their own song. So that was cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, Death is one of those bands that I listen to a little bit, like them and like Venom. I might pop on because they're kind of like originators of... You know, like death metal and black metal and shit like that. And I think, like, I can listen to death. I don't listen to a lot of death metal, you know. I feel like it's, like, after that, the whole genre was just kind of carbon copies, like, trying to trying to rip off death but not doing it as good and kind of missing what made them cool and unique. But, uh right. Yeah, so I, that's one I've never listened to, so I'm going to have to check that out after we uh, finish uh, recording. Yeah. Um, So my number two on my list is Corey Taylor doing his cover of Rainbow in the Dark for the Dio Tribute album from several okay. years back. I mean, it's just a really good fucking cover. Like, I can't talk too much about it. And it just sounds really good, <laughs> and it's cool to listen to. And... Corey Taylor, I have this thing with him where I don't like anything he does other than covers. I don't really like Hmm. Slipknot. I don't really like Stone Sour. But when he does cover songs, he covers six songs and he does them like really fucking well. And -hmm. it's like this dude has this incredible voice that I feel like gets wasted on his own shit. Like he'd be (laughs) just like... (laughs) It's just I mean I know Slipknot are really popular with the kids even today like kids are still like fuck yeah Slipknot like my friend's kid she got really into them type of thing and that's cool if that's if that's how you get into metal it wasn't my thing it was too weird um mm-hmm. for me uh it's like kiss but weird because of yeah. like they have like 10 guys in the band type of thing and everybody wears masks but they're all just they go by numbers and then Corey taylor wanted to kind of branch out a bit so he started so started stone sour and then after that slipknot sounded more like stone sour he started singing in his singy voice more but um yeah yeah but he does like um there's like two like cover albums that he did with stone sour they're like kind of like lps you know um where they do shit like Running Free from Iron Maiden, they do Creeping Death, you know, they do Children of the Grave. All right, heading out to the highway. Uh, <laughs> so he does a a fuck ton of covers that are really cool and really fun to listen to. I just don't like his regular shit, but anytime you're tackling Dio and you're doing it um, straight up. There's no gimmick to it. You know, right. it's I know it sounds sexist. I feel like we've talked about this before, but like when a chick sings a Dio song, it's not as impressive as when a dude covers a Dio song because mm-hmm. they can tend by and large a chick singing is going to have a higher range. Right. So it feels like less of a thing they're pulling off and it, it sounds fucking great on when I hear chick, chicks do Dio songs also mm-hmm. I don't want to fucking slam them but when you got the, the dude from Slipknot fucking singing Rainbow in the Dark and nailing it mm-hmm. um, it's just like damn dude there's not a whole lot of people that can just nail a Dio song like when you know it's like with Queen when they had to uh when they decided to start touring again at first they got uh Paul was it Paul Rogers from Bad Company because mm-hmm. they're like well we're gonna have a dude that just sounds nothing like Freddie we're gonna do our own things and there's certain songs he's you know it's not gonna be able to do
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it was cool in its own way and then when they decided to like try it again they went and fucking recruited Adam Lambert and you got to do that, you know, he's, you know, he got famous on American Idol and everything else. But he's out there nailing Freddie Mercury right. songs. And he doesn't sound right. like Freddie, but he's fucking killing these songs when he's singing them. Yeah. And he's basically it. You don't see it and go, oh, this fucking sucks. Like, oh, I wish it was just Freddie Mercury. Now you listen to it and still go, Freddie was better. So that really says how talented Freddie Mercury was that, you know, one of the best vocalists in the world right now still isn't quite touching him. And when he was in his prime.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, interestingly that, that you say that I uh, recently got tickets to go see the iron maidens in uh, up at the whiskey. And uh, hopefully that show still happens. That chick from the iron maidens, is the i think the best she does bruce better than anybody else and it's just you know because of like you said her it's in her range and in there's very few dudes that can do that and that's why bruce is bruce and i mean you know besides the distinctiveness of his voice obviously but the range is just very difficult for him for a man to do and you know and this chick from the from the maidens kills it and um
0: it's like so
2: yeah so i get what you're saying on that one
0: i know we've talked about that before too because even bruce doesn't hold that note on running low yeah right. up and up and up yeah. anymore no
2: <laughs> no yeah um yeah i mean you know he's a and and you know what bruce does his best because of the way he is on stage and everything to make you forget how fucking old he is. I
0: mean, the motherfucker's in his 60s, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. some things are going to, like, his voice isn't going to be what it was when he was in his right. 20s. But the fact that he's still able to do what he does at his age, it's a testament to, like, you know he's got a fucking real strict vocal regimen. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he has a very strict diet he has himself on
2: right, to keep yeah.
0: himself spry and everything cuz they're the youngest old band you for will sure. fucking see um
2: for sure right
0: next to like I guess Metallica was, is an old band at this point almost yeah but, and, and
2: they're very yeah. spry as You don't well. see they yeah.
0: don't play old they don't it's not like when you see a band that used to be sick and now they're all just standing around.
2: Yeah. You can tell their hips hurt and shit. Yeah.
0: It's like when <laughs> I saw Motorhead, you know, they're still moving around and shit like that. Yeah. Lemmy, not as much. He had a fan right. on him and a fucking padded bat that he stood on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Lemmy's allowed to, Lemmy, I allow it, you know, because he fucking... The dude was old as shit and had done a number on his body. And the fact he was able to do any of the shit he did was Text cool. Text the
2: fuck out of his body.
0: He fucking played until he died. So, ah, fucking... So, there you go. Good on you, Lemmy.
2: Hell yeah. This one, I actually just came up with today. Because I was still looking. And I actually had no idea that this was a cover. And I definitely had no idea that it was a cover of the original artist, but it's a song Got the Time by Anthrax. Uh, I had no idea what that song was called. I thought it was probably called Ticking in My Head because that's the, that's the line that gets repeated over and over, but it's actually a Joe Jackson song. And from Joe Jackson, the only thing I knew from Joe Jackson was like Stepping Out, that song, and then the other song that was his hit was That, is she really going out with him? That's Joe Jackson. Yeah. So I was like, how the fuck are they covering a Joe Jackson song? But I didn't know that he also, like, had some rock songs, and he would play in the clubs and shit back in the days or whatever. So this must have been one of those songs. They uh, cranked up the tempo a little bit. They cranked up the guitars a little bit. But it really is basically the same song, and it's a badass song, and it's very much Anthraxy. It's very, it it's like you wouldn't if you if you just played it in the Anthrax set, it wouldn't seem out of place at all. And so that's what made me kind of dig it. And it goes along with that Anthrax, you know, being New York and being a little bit punk and you know all that shit. And it's got a crazy ass bass line. So yeah, you'll you'll check that out when I put it on there, but. Yeah, Got the Time, Anthrax, cover of Joe Jackson.
0: That's that's the good Joe Jackson.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other Joe Jackson just plays the belt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but he was he was a uh, very inspirational. Yeah.
0: Couldn't <laughs> couldn't beat talent in Latoya though.
2: No. Uh, no. Can nobody no. can
0: bat a thousand? I guess. But
2: he made her psychic though, so that was good. <laughs> Fuck
0: <it>. Jesus Christ, <laughs> man! I remember she been she tried to have a career singing for like a second. and Nobody. Yeah. So everybody is like, man, uh, there's got to be one whack Jackson, I guess. Yeah. Like,
2: and she was in Playboy. Nobody cared about that either. Oh God. So well, because yeah. it looks
0: like Michael Jackson with tits at that point, and she that's did. fucking weird.
2: <laughs> it seemed like they they totally must have had the same surgeon. Yeah,
0: because she yeah. looked the most like Michael with her surgery. You know. Yeah. All the other brothers look fucking. Just, it's like varying degrees of fucked up and weird now.
1: Yeah. Um, oh yeah.
0: And Janet. Managed to look fine as fuck, but Latoya was a whole other ball game. And she just, because just, just looked like Michael with tits, and I don't. There was like that whole yeah. rumor that they were the same person and shit. Like,
2: oh yeah, yeah, like
0: weekly world news type stuff. Like Latoya Jackson and Michael Jackson are actually the same person. Yeah. And then uh, he even made a joke about that where he appeared on stage with her for something. She's like, "Well, you can kill that rumor or some shit."
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I fucking saw Jermaine Jackson at a hotel in Oakland. He was checking out, and I was—I think I was checking in—and I was totally gonna go up to him, and he fucking just like. He fucking looked at me with this fucking look, like "Don't fucking walk up to me, motherfucker." I was just like, "All right, bet. You know, <laughs> just for that, <laughs> just for that look, I was just like, "Ah, this motherfucker don't want to be bothered." I was like, and I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to say to him anyway. It's like, "Hey, Jermaine, yeah, you're the he's like not Michael. You're the
0: third but, most talented Jackson." Yeah. <laughs> so so poor Jermaine, man. The dude was fucking talented. It's, yeah, for sure. You know, it's Tito that was kind of the fucking weak link. <laughs> you know, nobody yeah. gives a shit about Tito, but Jermaine was pretty fucking sick.
2: Yeah, Jermaine he, had solo albums, he had hits.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was playing guitar and shit on the Jackson 5 records, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That was the cool thing about the Jackson 5 is they were a fucking band. Um,
2: That's true. He got
0: away from it later on, but yeah, mm-hmm. they are a band. This wasn't like Motown did all the backing tracks for them, so you just yeah. had... The brothers standing around just saying, like, a doo-wop thing every once in a while. Like, they all, you know, Tito played bass and
2: shit. Yeah, Yeah, they all played. So,
0: all right. So, let's go on to my number one here. I think, uh, I don't know if you changed your list up after I told you my list or if we're going to end up converging on the same song. But I went with my number one cover in hard rock and metal history is Metallica's cover of Am I Evil.
2: yes. That is also mine.
0: Um, <laughs> you know, speaking of songs that you just think it's their song, it's mm-hmm. that—that's got to be it. Like for Metallica, like. Not only did they make that song their own, they covered a band that nobody else knew, mm-hmm. added their own flair to it, and uh play. You know, that was became like a live staple for them for a very long time. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: by them putting that out, that led to a, a resurgence of interest in Diamond Head. Yeah, and Metallica was really good. With paying dudes that they cover. right? So, Diamond Head have... The dudes that in that band, they've been... Like, the original version, they've probably been able to live off of, you know, just what they get off of, like, Metallica sales of, like, you know, all the songs of theirs they've covered over the years. And
1: totally. they've
0: covered a grip of them. Like, they've done, like, half of freaking Lightning to the Nations, it seems like. Um... Uh- <laughs> And they even have, like, and then you hear old bootlegs of them doing shit like sucking my love. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, that never ended up being on a anything that Metallica re- put down on, like, you know, Garage Ink or anything like that. But, you know, it's just, man, it's just like it's, it hits that perfect sweet spot of it's you're making it your own. But when you listen to the original, it's like if you never heard the original before it's still like it's not so far removed from it that you go like oh fuck i don't even know what this is you know right like you right. listen to the original and you go oh shit maybe i need to listen to more diamond head and then you yeah. start listening to more diamond head you're like well maybe i should start listening to more of these new wave of british heavy metal bands that weren't mm-hmm. you know Def leopard and iron maiden like so you start listening to the tigers of pantang and it just it snowballs it's such a good introduction to like a whole music scene that was happening at that time that can suck you in
2: totally the trippy thing about it is it's like a whole a whole lot of the difference is really just the quality of recording techniques you know quality of equipment all the updated sounds that just make it made it sound fresher and newer but it really is very much the same. Like if, if Diamond Head just plugged into Metallica's shit and played, it would probably it would sound a lot like that. So it was something that at first like probably the first time I heard it I didn't even know it was a cover. And then when I heard the original, I was like, Oh yeah, there's definitely a fucking through line here. It's just like updated and new but the roots are are the same you know so that's one of the things that's one of the ways that I like that a cover is done is when you just you you come from the same roots but you grow it a little bit more and that's what they did I think on this one uh and yeah it it's and it's it's one of my favorite Metallica songs so it stands out in uh in cover history I think it stands out as, as being um, somewhere where Metallica says, "This is where we came from." Check this out, our version of this shit that we loved when we were kids, and those and those are the covers that I like the best.
0: Yeah, and you know? the thing is that cover it, the, that song wasn't even that old when they covered it, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I want to say they originally recorded their that their cover um, during the Kill 'Em All sessions. Um, really? I I'd, I'd have to double check that later and if I if I'm wrong we could do a things we I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But uh
2: yeah, that, sh- that shit that's interesting.
0: Because I could have sworn I've s- there's been some copies of Kill 'em All that hat that were released with it on it.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. But let's see. Well, you know there there is that line that takes place somewhere in the 80s where shit before it sounds old and shit after it sounds new. You know, and I'm not sure exactly where it is, but there's definitely that line. And yeah, it, that it it seems like it's right around there because it sound to me just from from the sound of it, it sounds older. You know, and the and the Metallica version sounds newer. But that could just be, you know, my perception of it.
0: Okay, so got this all sorted out. Uh, Metallica recorded uh, Am I Evil uh, as the B-side to their Creeping Death single. Okay. okay. So, and that was recorded in October of 1984, and that was the B-side for Creeping Death. And then it was on the Japanese 1988 re-release of "Kill 'Em All. Okay. So that's where I got thrown off by it. So the song, so am I evil was recorded in 79. Yeah. So it was five years old when it was recorded. Fucking five years makes a lot of difference. Especially I, I played, I don't know if you saw that where I played that, uh, it was a live, uh, performance of diamond head doing am I evil in 79. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's on TV or what, I don't know what the fuck they were recording it off of. That shit looked like it was recorded in 69. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if they just had bad equipment or what, but man, it's like, damn, that shit looks ancient. Like,
2: like I say, there, there was a line somewhere in and it's right in there in the early eighties where, where at some point they just like discovered something that just made it was like a more modern recording technique than, than what was before. And the shit from, you know, even 78, 79 sounds like old you know and whereas 84 85 has a completely modern sound to it to me anyway because you know i'm mostly listening for guitars anyway so maybe it was a big leap in guitar uh technology you know new amps high gain amps shit like that where you didn't have to figure out how to get distortion the distortion was already built in yeah and shit you know so that that kind of shit made a big difference. And
0: now we're getting all these remixes remi- and remasters of albums that probably don't even need it. Like, yeah, it's cool that they're gonna there's gonna be a like a big fucking thirtieth anniversary box set for the Black Album. Mm-hmm. But talk about a Metallica album that like is the least in need of a fucking remaster. Like yeah. that's like their cleanest sounding. Like that was their best produced even at its time, it was one of the best sounding metal albums ever recorded. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I listened to it and I'm like, okay, it does sound pretty sick with the remaster and the bass turned up a little bit on that. And so right. I guess it's cool, but man, right. it's, I've seen a lot of people are like, why are they redoing that? And it's like, yeah, it's like their landmark album mm-hmm. turning 30 years old. Of course, they're going to do a thing. I'm not spending $500 fucking on a box set for it.
2: No, but no. you know, the, um, The Sabotage uh, reissue came out today. I haven't listened to it yet, but I will. And then that Dio one that's supposed to come out, and that's supposed to be a complete remix, not just a remaster, which is way more in-depth as they're actually producing it again. Yeah. And um, that was an album, too, that was recorded on that Sound City board that um, Dave Grohl bought and uh and did that that documentary about and it's just a fucking great sounding board and a great sounding album so it's gonna be awesome to hear what they do with that i'm really looking forward to it and i hope you know i hope it's not one of those things where they're still mad at vivian so they turn him down or something (laughs) you know i hope it's have someone re-record it yeah yeah come here tracy g yeah come on back
0: Um Um, yeah, no, play it shitty. We want people to think that Vivian was (laughs) never good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so speaking of remixes, remasters, re whatever, and metal news before we get out of here, should have done this up top. I don't I don't remember if we talked about this and if it was something that popped up in between. Because we don't do the metal news every time now, and we probably should because it's a good time filler. But um, That uh, they found the fucking masters for Born Again.
2: Oh, yeah. And
0: that's going to get, apparently, Iommi is real keen on giving that a fucking um, remaster and all that shit. Like, so That'll be great. If we can get a version of Born Again that sounds like they intended it to sound. Yeah. Man, yeah. that's the album that everybody's been saying, like, you know, oh, man, it's so fucked up that they can't really do too much for that sound because there's some cool songs on there and the, just the production yeah. gets just takes right. it down. But yeah, um,
2: and there's some wicked riffs on there, some wicked solos on there, some wicked screams on there. Yeah, all that shit. If they if they figure out how to uh, put everything in its proper lane. Yeah, that could be definitely uh, something to fucking, to go back and and trip out on.
0: Honestly, Ian Gillen doesn't sound that bad these days. Uh, He he doesn't sound like he did in 1981. But I've almost been like, fuck, why didn't I only give Ian Gillen a call and maybe they'll just re-record it. Just do like a born again, just call it that or, you know, do it as you know, Gillen
2: born again, you know, again, Gillen, Iommi,
0: <laughs> born again. And just like do a re-record on it in the studio. Doesn't have to be Sabbath. Doesn't have to have other dudes from Sabbath in- involved in it, but just mm. get those two together to do that. I think it could sound yeah, cool because fun. honestly, Gillen still sounds cool in the studio mm-hmm. when you listen to new deep purple shit. And he said before, he's never officially been fired from black Sabbath. So, right. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah and then i think um deep purple's on its last legs because um i know um ian pace had some type of heart issues and then he had covid and i haven't heard anything i mean he didn't die so that's good but i haven't yeah. heard anything else about that and then steve morris who's the guitarist who took richie's spot obviously he's got like severe hand issues where he wears those little fingerless gloves that are like for uh compression or some shit like that mm. so he's his shit's all fucked up so who knows i mean you know i i don't know if if ian gill is the type to just go out to pasture you know i'm pretty sure he's gonna want to do something so who knows i'm sure he's got iomi's number they've they've got each other's number so that'll be interesting that'll be cool
0: all right well
2: all right i think we uh had a pretty solid episode there here you go could hear everything i'm looking forward to mixing this one to the re, to the remaster <laughs> it won't be our born again all right so until the next one which hopefully is pretty soon this is me big frog and me mike castleberry and we are out